Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Don't for God's sake include that. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> um, hello and welcome to this, I'm going to call it a special edition of off-air. I was told once by an editor at the BBC that there was no such thing as a special programme or indeed podcast uh, because that undermined all the other programmes you'd done. And so, Jane Mulcairins, there's nothing special about you or about this edition of Off-Air, OK? Got it. Thank you, Jane Garvey. Also, today's specials in many restaurants are actually just the leftovers from the day before. Don't With worry. a little bit of special gravy. Ooh. So, yeah, just the special of the day... Stay clear. Beware. Mm. Now, what I didn't know uh, until today was that you'd spent a large chunk of your professional life working in New York, so or living in New York. Mm. So um, you must have had some monster meals out there. I'm <laughs> talk- well, I'm talking in terms of quantity. Yes. Um, I would say I probably took home half my dinner most yeah. of the time when I ate out, particularly if you order a steak or a pork chop or anything like that. Um, yeah, they are enormous, absolutely enormous. And I... I used to find it very funny when I talked to Americans about their visits to England because often they would just say, I mean, your restaurants, I mean, they, they, your, your meals are very small. Did <laughs> they really much value say for that? money. Yes. But I would say to them, well, but, but your meals are so big and nobody needs to eat that much. You mentioned pork chop and, and it struck me that I don't remember the last time I ate a chop. I'd never choose a chop off a menu would you not no because to me they remind me of certainly growing up in the 70s and 80s and there's an awful lot of fiddling and faffing for a very small amount of edible meat so that's why you need a new york pork chop because they're bigger than your head are they oh yeah a double cut pork chop i might have to cook one and bring you one in jane garvey cold chop (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't think of anything nicer I'm trying to be nice to this woman because um, she's here. Um, now, um, Fee um, is not here. I think I might have advertised that she would be here today, and she's not. But we really, um, she's got a sort of nasty thing that just won't shift, but I'm sure she'll be all right by uh, Monday. But a lot of people, understandably, Jane, are concerned about uh, Brian and Barbara, her relatively new kittens, because they were going in for their significant operations this week. Now, Barbara, I know, had a little toilet incident this morning um, en route or just before she was taken uh, for her surgery, but I'm sure she'll be all right. Brian, on the other hand, I'm told, is absolutely fine. And there's absolutely no question that Fee's not just at home with the kittens today. Well, it did cross my mind Mm. that perhaps she got one of those pet days that you can have. (laughs) And it actually also made me, I was feeling very guilty about my cat, so I tried to book her a vet's appointment. Um, I think he was sitting next to me at the time. And, of course, they do come up with that bit about um, what's her name and, you know, Dora, so is it? Dora Garvey. Uh, yes. yes, that's right. Legally. Legally. Legally yes, Dora Garvey. <laughs> you, just feel, you just feel a bit of a brat. Don't Can you? I, well, I just have to say it was lovely because I arrived in the office and within three minutes I felt like I was deep in this podcast in with our you territory. ringing the vet 
about your cat's dandruff. <laughs> so thank you for making me feel just immediately deep inside the podcast. I mean, this is what's called journalism, Jane, and welcome to it. Um, let's bring in a listener called Rhea who says, I'm a big fan, or is it Rhea? Do apologise if I've got that wrong. Um, I've listened from the other place and I love your work. Well, thank you, listen. I regularly enjoy your daily podcast but sadly miss your live programme. Well, you can catch up with it. Just get the Times Radio app. There are no excuses. I would claim I'm one of your younger listeners, but at nearly 37, I'm not sure I can. No, you can't because we have actually met a listener at least 15 years younger than you. So there you go. But you are still youthful. Don't get... I mean, that's absolutely true. Um, she goes on to say, I had to get in touch when I heard about Brian Glover. Uh, that's the kitten. As it reminded me of one of our favourite family stories. My husband, Matt, a teenager at the time, answered the home phone and was asked by the vet who was calling, is this Billy's dad? <laughs> I should say, Billy was my in-law's family dog. <laughs> Matt thought about it for a while and then replied... No, it's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> and that, of course, don't be mean to Matt, that's the right answer. <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. That is brilliant. Um, yeah. um, this is from Tina. Have you seen this one? Uh, watching Obsession in my teenager's bedroom with the floor wardrobe and the festering mugs. As my husband is watching blue lights on the big telly downstairs, as we call it in our house, I've had to come up here. The teenager came home, shuffled around downstairs, and then comes upstairs to her room, catching me watching a man getting off sniffing a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I now know not to watch TV in her bedroom again, and she has called me a pervert. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, I should have given you a warning about that, Tina. Um, it, it's a scene that didn't quite work for me. Have you not seen Obsession? Is it a particularly nice pillow? <laughs> it was a very nice <laughs> Listen, you get to a certain age and you enjoy soft furnishings. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sad I've got plans tonight. I might actually just cancel them all. Have you happened to seen, watch all of Obsession? Seen Obsession? No. Well, I mean, it's it's not very good, but it's very watchable. <laughs> That's all Do I'm I have to watch it inside a cupboard? <laughs> well, um, you, you might have to. Yeah, you might. Yes. Anyway, listen, I can't. I, I'm a TV critic for the Radio Times. <laughs> I need to I need to maintain my um, <coughs> professional credentials. Um, which email has taken your fancy? This one. Uh, Dear Jane and Fee, I'm about to turn 60, but I'm finding it hard to justify much celebration as I don't consider myself to have made a success of an adult life. I struggle with responsibility and I find it hard to deal with making mistakes. So despite starting out with a math degree from Cambridge, I gradually move myself down the career ladder rather than up. I mean, this is just, it's, I think this is a, an email that is so raw and vulnerable. Mm. And I think really probably speaks to an awful lot of people's experience that they don't often talk about. So she's, she goes on to say, at the same time, I found it hard to build the sort of friendships I enjoyed when I was younger. She feels that she's failed to fulfill her potential and has caused collateral damage to herself and others along the way. And as a result, has very little remaining self-esteem. And what she's asking you and Fee, who are, I have to say, extremely wise um should she resign herself to underachievement and aim to lead a small but fairly safe life or keep trying to accomplish something more significant at the risk of further anxiety and disappointment 
I mean, these are big questions. It's a very big question, and of course I can't really attempt to answer that. But I think um, I'm not not saying that you're not capable of offering wisdom, Jane. I think Fee would be good on this one. And so I think we'll keep it. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to put it to one side. Um, And to that listener, we are not ignoring that, but that is a really big question. And it, it goes without saying that you sound to me like you're being incredibly hard on yourself. Uh, first of all, you mentioned, just almost in passing, a maths degree from Cambridge. Absolutely. I mean, please, take it. Bank that one, because that is an incredible achievement. And um, I wonder sometimes, and it's a serious point from someone who could never have hoped to go to Oxford or Cambridge. I just wasn't clever enough. I, I think for some people that is, it's the pinnacle of their life. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes maybe they they return to it perhaps too often and sometimes life after these wonderful ivy strewn college environments doesn't quite live up to expectations i don't know what do you think absolutely um i i also think there's just something at the heart of this email i do really want to hear what fee has to say about it when she comes back but i think it speaks to comparison with other people's lives in a big way yeah um that I think we're all, you know, increasingly in danger of doing because I think we look at other people's, you know, quote-unquote successes yeah, and they... feel that we're not matching up to our potential mm. because, I, and I just think, you know, for many reasons, social media, watching others' you know, achievements, nothing is as good from in the inside as it is from the outside. It so isn't, and people these days put out a version of themselves that is the one they want other people to Absolutely. have There's a gander at. So much projection. Yeah. And actually, I think a lot of people would probably feel exactly the same way as, as our lovely emailer. Um, and I think, I think it's wonderful that she is asking herself questions and asking you questions, um, rather than just perhaps projecting a version of herself that she maybe thinks that she should be. Yeah, um, that's a re- it's a really good point. And I, I think there's never been a, an easier time to give yourself a hard time, precisely as you say, Jane, because there's so much ridiculous positivity out there f- from other people. And we all know people who whose real lives are very different, shall we say, from the one they choose to publicise. I mean, we all we all come to work and we're a version of ourselves and actually do you know what the great thing about this podcast and the great thing about fee and i working together over the years has been that we have been actually very honest about sometimes saying that life is shit Mm. and really challenging and um it's not all a barrel of laughs from dawn till dusk so and i'm glad by the way that listeners feel they can sort of write they can write as as starkly as that um, but please to that listener do not do not be so hard on yourself and do not think for one minute that you've quotes underachieved because i very much doubt that you have i do also think it speaks to the community that you and for you have built over the years that people do uh, you know um unburden themselves to you i have to say without wanting to get too soppy here when i did spend all those many years in america I listen to you and Fee on a weekly basis to make me feel connected to home. And sometimes you must have listened and thought, thank God they're, <laughs> they're over a thousand miles away. <laughs> Gibbering idiots. Keep them at bay. But we've come into your life. I know. And now there's no escape. Um, yeah, to, to, we'll definitely go back to that um, next week with Fee um, when she's here. Now, our guest today uh, was Lorraine Kelly. I should say we recorded this interview when Fee was was around. I mean, I've slightly <laughs> written her off there, haven't I? But um, <laughs> she, 
Uh, she was in the office when we spoke to Lorraine. I think it was on Tuesday, from memory. Um, now, Lorraine Kelly is... I don't really need to tell you who she is, but she is the host of Lorraine on ITV. Uh, and she's been a fixture, really, on early morning television here in the UK for many, many decades now. But importantly, um, she is the face of this year's No Butts campaign, uh, which is all about uh, preventing unnecessary deaths from the very cruel disease that is bowel cancer. Well, this is um, the third year that we've run our No Butts campaign. It was obviously launched by, by Dame Deborah, um, and this is the first one that we've had without her, and it feels very strange for her not to be here. In fact, it feels very strange to talk about her in the past tense, to be honest. Um, and really, we just wanted to continue her legacy. I mean, she's saved so many lives. She's raised so much money. Um, you know, to help people living with bowel cancer and to research. And we just we just knew, but well, she, she said to us, did you have to keep this going? And, and of course we wanted to, you know, really for her. And it's just, it's, it's, for us, it's an amazing thing to do because we can help through her, we can help hopefully um, to get people to not be so squeamish about, about poo in their bums and, and check and, you know, help save their lives. Hopefully that that's the aim. That's the aim. Um, but she was something. Oh, she was something. When did you first meet her? Do you know, it must be, it's over three years ago. It's over, yeah, it's longer than that, I think. And she had this amazing idea, you know, to, to come on the show and, and, and to talk about bowel cancer and to talk about bums and to talk about poo and all the rest of it. Um, and she was just one of these people, you know, there are just some people who are, are so full of life, and so full of passion and energy and positivity. And, and I just thought we, we have to, we have to have this woman. She's, she's just the best. And, you know, obviously she had her own podcast, The Big C, um, and she's done so many other things. You know, she's written books and columns and all sorts. And yeah, it just, it just made perfect sense. And, and I always think that, especially on daytime telly, you can talk about anything. You can absolutely talk about anything. And, and that's great. That's what I love about it. You know, we can smash taboos and do all sorts of things. And, yeah, and it was just, you know, and she would, she was up for doing things. <laughs> she would do dances and she would dress as a poo. Yeah. She dressed as a poo and still looked amazing and glamorous. Can we, and can we go to it? Um, acknowledge that her glamour was, was a huge part of her appeal, wasn't it? Massive, massive part of her appeal. The fact that to the end, you know, you go to see her in hospital and then when she was at home at the end, to the end, the makeup was on, the, she was, Flawless, she was perfect, she looked beautiful, the big earrings were on, her hair was done, you know, she had her she had lovely clothes on. She was always like that. She was always like that. That was that that was kind of like um, her armour, if you like. It was like her suit of armour that, that she wore. And yeah, she 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 took great pride in how she looked and she was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And I loved the fact that she would put on a sparkly dress in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> she really she really did, and she touched so many people, you know. Speaking to like our, our doctors at the hospital, you know, they, they just loved her. They absolutely loved her. They could throw anything at her and she just would say, yep, I'll do that. I'll do this. Anything you want me to do, she's just great. But the, the terrible thing about bowel cancer is that more people die of it than should die of it because absolutely. they just don't get the help. And they don't get the help because they still, for all our taboo busting powers, they still don't want to go to the doctor <laughs> or even tell no. a friend that they found blood in their poo. No, they don't. And, and I mean, how lucky are we in this country that we get that test? Yeah. That was the thing about Deborah as well. She got the, she got a lot more people to take up the test. In Scotland, when you turn 50, it's like, happy birthday. Here's your retest. You have to put in that, send it back. And there you are. That's an amazing thing. 
excuse me, sorry. That is an incredible thing that we can actually do something for ourselves. And it's insane that we don't. And we don't because it's got to do with poo and bums and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. I do think, though, I hope, and I think it's true, it's a generational thing. And I think that young people coming up don't have those hang-ups that maybe my generation have. I do think that they're better at it. And I like to think that anyway. And also, Jane and I were talking about this, actually, in the production office this morning, Lorraine, that now... Because of the internet and social media, you can, if you see something in your poo that you're troubled by, within five minutes you can be on a website for being in charge of information that could save your life. And that's different, isn't it? You don't have to think, I've got to go to the doctor and he's going to snap on some latex gloves or she's (laughs) going to snap on latex gloves. You know, I've got to take my pants down and stuff. So that's just a, a... a helpful technological change. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that's made an enormous difference, an absolutely enormous difference. And I know Deborah was very keen on that too, you know, getting people to, to get that message across. But the basic thing was that she took the embarrassment out of it. You know, she really did. And it's so silly and it's so British, isn't it? You know, to, to die of embarrassment. I mean, for yeah. goodness sake, we are, we're so silly about it. We really are. Which is why I think this is this is important that we, we do it. We also do it. It's, it's quite... It's like Deborah. It's quite a cheeky campaign, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You know, it's quite a little bit of carry on about it, isn't there? Yeah, yes. a wee bit like that. But we do all have. We have a bowel habit, don't we? I mean, some of us are get up and go people. Some of us yes, yes, yes. squeeze it in during the working day or we'll squeeze it out. Uh, other th- other people's last thing at night could be is that you. Yeah, no, I'm not going there. No, certainly not. Actually, I don't go at work. Actually, um, and isn't that what we do? You know, most of us wouldn't want wouldn't choose to go at a railway station. I mean, it's, we're we're all slightly odd about this, aren't we? Of course, we are. We've all got our own way of of doing it, and our own our own. You know, whether it's you sit in the toilet with private eye or you. You know, you go through your, scroll through your messages or listen to, to Times Radio, you know, you can do all sorts of things and that's fine. And it's just when things go wrong, things go a bit awry. That, that's, you yeah, know, when, when things are not quite yes. your, so that's working for you. When you should get help is when your, yeah. your poo habit changes significantly. Exactly. If anything changes, now obviously like you said, if you notice something like blood and all of that, of course, immediately go for help. And, and if, But also, if you just notice that you're not going at the same time, that it's slightly different, it's different for you because everybody's totally different, um, then yeah, and it's just about saying, do you know what, I need a wee bit of help here. And 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 having that conversation is is great. And she that was the thing about Deborah. She allowed us to have those conversations. She you know she she just she, she did. It was yeah. incredible. But she also became ill very young, didn't she? And that is not really all. No, but uh, sadly, getting I suppose getting more normal, if you like. There's more people who are younger that are getting getting diagnosed. But you know, Deborah herself says if she'd noticed, if she had all the information that she was getting out to all the buzz. She'd probably still be here, and um, you know she she ignored the signs for quite a while. I didn't realise what they were for quite a while, um, and her mum says that as well. You know, her mum said if I had been better informed, you know, I would have realised that something was wrong too. So you know, she she just doesn't she doesn't want that to happen to anyone else. You know, that was the thing about Deborah; she didn't want it to happen to anyone else, and um, and that's what drove her. I think you know it really drove her that she just wanted to make sure. That nobody else went through this. I mean, she she was uh, she was around a lot longer than she should have been. Sheer force of will, I think, compared with anything else. But she but she really was. And in that short time that she had, wow, she did. I mean, the months before she died, she achieved astonishing things. So, right. 
He was doing all sorts of stuff. The bank the, 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 fund uh, topped yeah. uh, eleven point three million pounds, which is incredible. Do you it's know just... how that will be spent? Because one of the interesting things as well about bowel cancer is the treatments available really can save your life, can't they? Mm-hmm. If, if mm-hmm. the cancer is caught early enough. Sure. It will be, um, again, it will be a lot of it will be awareness, you know, in conjunction with, um, you know, in conjunction with appeals like ours and um, research as well. And um, to be honest, uh, you know, the thing that she she wanted, you know, research was a massive thing as well. But yeah, getting getting the message out there and just helping people who are living with it too. So it's our family right now are, are you know, they're deciding, they're discussing with all the experts, people that looked after her as to what they're going to do with the money. But you can be sure every single penny of that will go to help people. I mean, they, they are so, um, they're just so passionate about making sure that the people who donated and people just in their and there's thousands and there's millions. It was it was wonderful. She used to text, you know, every time it went up another million. She she would text. She was so you no, know, she was watching it. She was watching it, watching this going up and up and up and up, and from her hospital bed. And it, it really helped. Really helped. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Let's go back to Lorraine Kelly. And while we had her with us, we couldn't resist asking whether... She didn't fancy a political career, bearing in mind all the stuff that's been going on in her homeland. I wonder whether not <laughs> in a million. I didn't even have time to ask the question, Lorraine. It's better to be out the tent pissing in than in the tent pissing out. Thank you very much. <laughs> and do you have any commentary, uh, though, on what is appearing to happen at the moment it's a oh, it's, spectacle isn't it it is it's um it, it's just that it's it's happened so quick it's unraveled so fast i mean obviously there's all sorts of investigations going on so you can't really talk about it that much but you know it's just it's just really sad i mean not you know not just scottish politics i mean you look at politics as a as a whole you know you look at rishi sunak's being investigated again i mean it's um you kind of you can understand why people are getting so cynical you can understand why young people are getting in particular are, are, are thinking, oh, come on, what's going on here? And it's a shame, you know, because there are decent, hardworking MPs, but they all kind of get, you know, everybody just thinks, oh, you know, they're all charlatans, they're all out for what they can get. And yeah, for sure, there are some that are, but there are some people who go into public service for all the for all the right reasons. And But when you see what's happening here and in America... And, and you see things unraveling, it's, it is it is disappointing. And I think as well what's been disappointing is the fact that, you know, we have seen like in New Zealand and obviously in Scotland and we've just seen in, in, in Finland as well, and women either being, you know, leaving of their own free will or, or being voted out. And that's quite sad because you, you want, you know, when when that happened, you know, when, when the, the, the Prime Minister of New Zealand said, Jacinda said, um, I don't have enough in the tank. I mean, I, I had a mixture of admiration and also frustration, you know, because I thought, oh, no. And um, because she was the ultimate, wasn't she? And, and someone who 
who was doing the job despite being a mum, well, because of being a mum. And do you think she she shouldn't have said that? No, I think she should have said it because that's the reality. And I think that that you, you I I like the fact that she was honest and that she said, I I don't have the strength anymore. And Nicola Sturgeon said the the same sort of thing, you know, she she did at the time when she resigned. Um, And I just think it's it's quite sad that that politicians, men and women, but it seems particularly women, women are more honest, um, that, that do feel overwhelmed by it and that they can't actually go on. Um, but we think what both women went through, I mean, the, the you know, the pandemic and, and everything and all of the things that have happened. And I do think that female politicians come under a lot more pressure and a lot more scrutiny. I mean, we see that, don't we, on social media? And it's it's very easy for everyone to say, oh, just don't look at it. But we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we shouldn't. You know, and I'm quite lucky I don't actually get that much. I just mute people because then it's like they're ranting in an empty room. But yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, full, um... it's just it's just disappointing with what what's going on. I just feel sort of frustrated and disappointed. Now when the election comes around next year, um politicians oh, will be beating a path to your door because well, they, <laughs> they need your viewers, don't they? They need your viewers to get up and vote. And I yeah, well, absolutely do. I, I, they don't always get it right, though, do they? In terms of how they communicate with so-called ordinary people. So, yeah, who who in your experience has got it right talking to your viewers? Um, that's an interesting one. I think. Well, Tony Blair was a master at it, wasn't he? I mean, he really was. He was able to do that. He he could. He was a really good, like Deborah James, an amazing, uh, an amazing communicator, actually. And um, somebody like. Ed Balls, who's now obviously he he was always very um, he was always very good, um, and his wife again she's a human being she was always very good. Obviously Nicola Sturgeon was 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 great until it all unravelled. She was very good at at getting her message across in a way that made sense to people and wasn't talking down to people. And I suppose in a bizarre and weird way, um, Johnson Boris Johnson was was if you like he could he knew his audience shall we say and. Uh, he told them what they wanted to hear. Yeah. And who's the person that you would most like to get in front of you who has always uh, been elusive so far? Um, interestingly, not really that many, not really that many left. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean, all the interesting people I've been able to to talk to. But obviously there's people who will never sit down with you and never talk to you. You know, like the Princess of Wales will never We'll never do that. But wow, wouldn't you two love to talk to her? Yes. Wouldn't you love to talk to Kate? What would your opening question be, Lorraine? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yeah, give us the opening question. We'll use it. Any? I'd have to very good old think about that. What do you really think about this? And um, yeah, I just, I, I just think she's, she's kind of become a wee bit like the Queen in that you don't really know what she's thinking about things. Well, we don't actually hear her speak, do we? Very seldom, very, very seldom hear her speak, which is a shame, really. It is a shame, really, because I think she would have a, a lot, a lot to say. Maybe after the coronation, she might. It'll be interesting this coronation, don't you think? It'll be interesting to see, especially younger people, um, whether or not they'll they'll have the parties and buy the budding and and do all of that. Yeah, and it looks like it's not really caught the imagination. No, not in the, the same way as the as the um, the platitude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> last year when everybody went mad at the platinum jubilee and enjoyed it, and it was a great, great big celebration. Yeah, it'll be it'll be done beautifully because they always do these things very well. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It'd be an interesting thing again. Where will you be spending your coronation? I'll be here. We'll be. I'll be working. I'll be. I'll be working down here on the uh, covering it. So 
yeah, I'll be here. I'll be here to see what's see what's going on, see who turns up. <laughs> well, um, see what happens. Can we ask just a couple of questions about the ITV family? Um, are yeah. are things sort of all right with with all of the presenters? Yeah. Are you all getting on okay? Well, to be honest with you, we're all in kind of splendid isolation because oh, don't play this game. I don't <laughs> believe that you're always <laughs> popping round to Hollywoodabies for a <laughs> cup of sugar. We're all separate programs. We all have everyone's separate teams. So I don't really see them. Um, and I, I mean, I saw Susanna this morning because, you know, we sort of wave to each other. And I really like her. And I'm, I'm annoyed that we don't get to see each other as much as we do because she is, she's good. She's a woman's woman, Susanna. Um, oh, she's bright. She's bright and sharp. And um, I think she's, uh, you know, I can see she works so hard and she makes it look effortless. I'm a huge admirer. She's a smashing girl. But no, maybe she's just getting on with it. You know, we just get on with it and just, uh, I mean, for goodness sake, I've been doing this since 1984 and it's, it's I extraordinary. I was still at primary school when you started, Lorraine. Oh, be quiet. <laughs> and do you, do, you, do you have something else on the horizon that you would like to do once? Oh, sure. I thought she said, I mean, I love, love, love doing reading. Absolutely love it. And I, I think it's brilliant. You've got that totally instant connection with your audience, you know, right away. And um, it's very intimate and you can, you know, obviously listen in the car, do all of that. Um, and I, I would love to do more of that. And I also would love to write. I would love to write. And um, I really, you know, there's that I have many stories that I would love to tell. What are the biggest issues for your audience? I'm thinking about, um, you know, the, the government would love us all to be talking about let's let's do maths until we're 45 and no, whatever, no, whatever it was. But what actually gets your audience going and what will they vote on next time around? Well, it's the things that get us all going. You know, it's, it's cost of living. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's jobs, decent jobs. It's the NHS. I mean, the NHS health is massive. It's yeah. a massive thing. You know, and, and obviously being able to afford to heat your house. Um, it's it's those those issues and very basic stuff as well. Potholes. If you do an item on potholes, as you do well know, um, inundated and bins is the yeah. basic the basic things. People, I don't think people are really thinking about whether or not they're doing maths. You know that's fine. And and yeah, I, I mean I, I agree to a certain extent, and I would certainly like to see more women doing the physics and maths and you know all of that. But yeah, it's, it's 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 just the basic thing that we all that we all think about and that affects all of our lives. You know, we we worry about our children and we worry about our parents and uh, yeah. But health is a massive thing. We so we we do. That's why we've got such great doctors on the show. You know, because we do get a lot of them. Uh, viewers want to know more about sure. health think, issues. Yeah. Is there a taboo left? Um, oh gosh, that's a really difficult one. I'm not sure. I think we probably have done most of them. I suppose the menopause was the one that, you know, nobody ever talked about. And now we talk about it a lot and quite right too. Um, but I don't know if there is, you know, I'm not sure. There must be. There I think understanding be. the per proliferation, can never say that word, uh, of paedophilia actually is something that we simply don't talk about. No. We are unwilling to talk about that and I think at the moment because we are beginning to understand exactly what the internet has brought to the world mm. uh, there's still us in our older generation I think are very unwilling to go and really look at what's happening the younger generation yeah I think, I think you're right I think you're right and I think as well there's, there's a difficulty that we have to make sure I think it's really important for certainly my generation and you, you two are much younger than I am is, is to make sure that you're still in touch with what's going on and you still have mm. 
you know, and that's that's why I love doing what I do because yeah. every single day, and I'm sure you're the same, but every single day you learn something. Yeah. And that does um, mean you've got to look at the dark stuff as well as all of the you do. the wonderful stuff to understand. That's really important. I don't know if you really I know you've got a, a daughter, Lorraine, and yeah, we've got daughters too. And we were having um, a conversation in the office the other day about about sex and about choking in sex. And what on earth? Well, that's <laughs> kind of what we were saying. But you what know, that to me now, I'm so glad you talked about that because, funnily enough, we were reading. It was actually in the Times, and my husband yeah. he said to me, "What the hell is going on?" I mean. You know, we were absolutely... No, there's not many things that you saw, because you know, we, we think we're pretty broad-minded and yeah. all things. And he was like, what the hell is this? And I, and I said, I have absolutely no idea. So obviously, we, you know, we looked at it, read the article, had a chat about it, and I thought, is that... And it was that thing, was, is that what the young people are doing out there? Do you know I mean, I was really shocked by that. Actually. But the and extraordinary thing is, Lorraine, that when we talked about it in the office, and mm. where our production staff are much younger than us, they couldn't understand our outrage at all because they don't see it as being an attack on your safety or submission. But see, I do. I, I do. I'm with you. And, I, and I'm really worried yep. that they don't because yeah. they're, so, they're, they're bright, intelligent women. Well, that's it. That's what yeah. you do. Yeah. And, and that way, yeah, it's terrifying to our generation. But I wonder, is that a subject you could tackle? First thing oh, in the morning. Yeah, 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 no, no, I don't think there's anything anything out of bounds. Yeah, you know, I, I really don't. I honestly don't. I think we could we, funnily enough, we, we actually did um discuss that as well. And it will be something that we do because yeah. and, and you've just highlighted the fact that there is this enormous gap in and I would want to talk to young girls and say, But don't you feel unsafe? Don't you feel what why why do you feel that you have to do that? And I want to find out do they feel they must feel unsafe? They must should. Well, they say not, but I think really? our, our point also was how awful for a whole generation of young men to uh, be experiencing their sexual pleasure through the submission of a woman. I mean, that's yes. to refine, and that isn't it right? And how far oh. you, and where do you draw the line? And all of this, it gets very bloody. Um, I think it's really, do you know what? I'm quite glad I'm the age I am. I think growing up now and being young now, for so many reasons, is so hard. I, I don't know the rules. You know, we've just demonstrated that I don't know the yeah. rules. <laughs> Something like that. I really don't. And it's, and it is a worry, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it is scary. I don't want to see women in that, in that environment. I just don't. I just don't think it's showing you. That was Lorraine Kelly. And um, if you've got anything to say, uh, particularly actually about the last little bit of that interview, do let us know. It's Jane and Fee at times.radio. Here's a question from Laura. I'm not sure if I imagined this, but I think you mentioned a novel set in Leicester. For the life of me, I can't find the reference. Uh, Laura's in Brisbane. Good grief. Um, and well, she wants to read a, a uh, novel about Leicester. Well, it's escapism. Takes all sorts. <laughs> actually, I don't. I, I'm afraid I think you may have imagined it. And I'm the only books I can. So I always associate the great Sue Townsend with Leicester, Adrian Mole. What's that, Leicester? It was somewhere oh, in the Midlands, wasn't it? I think it? she was from Leicester, and I think Adrian Mole lived in Leicestershire, if not Leicester. Could be wrong, but that's all I can think of, um, Laura. Uh, maybe it was that. I'm actually. I, this is a terrible thing to shoehorn in, but I was mentioned in one of the Adrian Mole books because Adrian Mole. Yes, yes, Kate Lee. 
for once she looks impressed um it was one of the later ones uh, when adrian was a fully grown adult and he used to spend the evening listening to the drive time show on five live because he's not with you he was politically involved and I, I did it with the great peter allen and we are both referenced in an adrian mold book how cool is that that's actually incredibly cool yeah yeah See, I've impressed you. That's that's actually a better name drop than um, the former Prime Minister you mentioned oh, to me earlier. stop it. <laughs> I tell everybody that anecdote. <laughs> and you'll probably hear it again. It's just like on a loop. <laughs> um, what have you got, Jane? I, I've got so many emails from your listeners in New Zealand. Yeah, go on. What are they worrying about? massive in New Zealand. Um, well, there was a poem, but somebody's left it off the email. Oh, dear, um, good stuff. Sorry about that. I'm just, I'm not here for my email reading skills, am I? Good Lord. Oh, turn it over. Oh, this is a lovely email. Okay, I'm glad I found it. Dear Jane and Fee, a new listener from New Zealand writes, this poem struck a chord after listening to your podcast and the emailing asking if her safe, secure man was the one for her. Mm. Maybe she would like it too. Um, very best wishes from Sarah, who for the first time Eva is regretting her commute isn't longer because she can only listen to half your show at a time. Um, I don't think anyone needs to listen to me reading a whole poem well. on the air. Um, <laughs> my public speaking experience coming in. Um, it's called If I Had Three Lives, after Melbourne by the Whitlands. If I had three lives, I'd marry you in two. The other, perhaps that life over there. It's Starbucks, sitting alone, writing a memoir. Maybe a novel or this poem. No kids, probably. A small apartment with a view of the river. And books, lots of books. And time to read. Friends to laugh with. And a man sometimes, for a weekend. To remember what skin feels like when it's alive. I'm not sure where this is going. I'd be thinner in that life. Vegan. Practice yoga. I'd go to art films, farmer's markets, drink martinis and swingy skirts and big jewellery. I'd vacation on the main coast and wear a flannel shirt. Weekend guy left behind, loving the smell of sweat, and aftershave more than I did him. I'd walk the beach at sunrise, find perfect shell spirals, and study pockmark water makes in sand. And I'd wonder sometimes if I'd ever find you. Oh, that's actually really lovely. Isn't it lovely? Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, no, thank um, you, Sarah. That's a lovely, lovely poem. Um, and there, this is the second thing I didn't expect to be doing today, reading poetry on your podcast or seeing Jane, Jane Garvey doing flamenco dancing yeah. earlier. Yes, it's been quite an afternoon. Thank you for this. Um, and yes, I, I, I think, would you go home a better woman? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, nice. um, I'm going home with this poem in my pocket, though, yeah, if that's all right. And poetry doesn't hit the spot, but that actually—it's really, really lovely. Very lovely. Who's it by? Yeah, just called the Whitlams. We'll After find out. Them by the Whitlams. Um, and uh, this is actually uh, an example of Fee and I doing public service. I mean, you know, that doesn't very happen very often. Not here. Uh, I've done a lot of. Pub I mean, honestly, if you want to hear me doing public service, look up Woman's Hour Chlamydia, and you'll hear I'm, I'm there. <laughs> frequently <laughs> right um dear garvin glover thank you for this week's covid watch monday i had a terrible headache and i was sick i carried on and i went to work as you do i felt rubbish on tuesday wednesday i was cold all day still had that stupid headache i listened to your ramblings and i suddenly thought i think i might have covid tonight i did a test and it lit up in seconds i wouldn't have thought it was covid as the symptoms are nothing like they were, so thank you. And that's kind of the point we were making, Jane, that it's Absolutely. just morphed into a whole new disease. It's a whole different beast, mm. it really is. It's still horrible. And, and it is that shocking thing, as, as, as the listener says, when you do the test thinking, nah, and then, oh, 
Okay. And also, um, Steph, who is the emailer, thank you, Steph, uh, mentions a subject that we did talk about, I think, earlier in the week or last week, about, or the week before, about when friendship groups slightly change because people people have a bit more money, or some people do. And um, Steph says, my husband and I have two other couples that we love spending time with, but recently one couple have both had big promotions. When we went out to dinner with them recently, we were so shocked to spend £100 on a meal for just two of us. Much as we love them, we just can't sustain the costs associated with going out like that. And we'd rather spend that on our kids or on charity. It just seemed obscene. So now we have a dilemma, as our wages are frankly unlikely to change any time soon. It's tricky. And I think that's a... Re- Thank you, Steph. That is a really interesting chunk of real life experience isn't it you know i mean i i shop as i've mentioned before quite regularly at little um because their fruit and veg and stuff is really good it is also really cheap now i'm not going to pretend i've got money problems i'm very fortunate and i don't have but i have noticed over the course of the last couple of years there are more and more people in that shop and they're shopping for everything it's not a question of just picking oh they've got nice big peppers and that's frankly the way i shop in there i get my bread and i bugger off out of there but there are people who are quite clearly they're really careful they have no option but to be careful and the food bills have shot up i don't know what it's like in the rest of the world but um i imagine not dissimilar to what's happening in the uk yeah the the basics are properly expensive and i do think there's a there's a very difficult thing um in friendship groups where yeah. um and, and I, I was listening to the podcast when you were discussing this earlier earlier in the week it must be in this week yeah, um yeah. and i think it's very hard because it's difficult to admit even to your good friends when you're struggling financially or or you maybe not even struggling but just thinking actually i don't want to be spending that on a night out i haven't mm. got that to spare that needs to go on the heating bill or the childcare. and it's very difficult to be the one saying i can't do those things mm. um and i think we all need to be quite mindful i think of you know what's what's happening for everyone Um, and perhaps i think certainly i've found um maybe just saying to people can i come to yours do you want to come to ours rather than us going out yeah everyone breathes a sigh of relief and says oh thank goodness i didn't want to spend 80 quid on that either um i do think we've sort of I mean, this is a very London-centric thing to say. Um, people going out to restaurants, you know. Yeah. I mean, weekly, we, we, we assume think, perhaps it's a given. It's not. By it's not a given at no. all. But I think it is something that happens in London. Um, and uh, I, I, when I, certainly when I've mentioned to people, perhaps it would be better and easier and cheaper all around if, you know, we just started cooking again for other people. Um, there's a very positive response um, because I think, you know, people are finding it, a lot more difficult financially for, you know, across the board. That doesn't matter whether, you know, you're doing your weekly shop in Lidl's Mm. or, um, you know, um, you're cutting back on things, you know, that you would have just, you would have just taken for granted. granted. Yeah. Yeah. But there's absolutely, it's a very British thing to be able to talk about all sorts of stuff, but not really money. I sent Um, a a text message saying that this morning. Did you? Yeah. The one thing I can't talk about. Yeah. It's, Which, no, it's properly awkward. Yeah. It makes you cringe. Really squirmy. Yeah. Really squirmy. Well, I'm going to Glasgow tomorrow. Unfortunately, it's been very quiet in Scotland, so I very much doubt. <laughs> not much going on at all. There's nothing going on. What could possibly go wrong? And but I'll be here in London where there's also nothing going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll both be equally bored. I would No, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Um, hang on a sec. Oh, thank you, Kate. If I Had Three Lives oh. is written by Sarah Russell. Sarah um, Russell. Sarah, I... 
congratulate you because that's a work of genius. I, it's very moving. Oh, I was, I was wondering if it's the same Sarah who's sent the email, but it's not. She's not the poet. She's not the poet, she's but, she's, the poet, but she's, she's a good poetry picker. She's like ourselves. She's someone who appreciates poetry, Jane. Yes, absolutely. Why are you called Jane, by the way? Do you Have you ever had that? I've asked oh. my parents on a number of occasions why. Um, I was going to be called Philip if I was a boy. Don't know why. I was going to be called Jonathan. Oh, there we go. Um, Jane was... My surname is quite long and complicated, you know, and difficult for people to pronounce and spell. Well, I certainly and can't I, get my head around it. I thought, <laughs> and um, I think they just thought it would be an easy name for people to pronounce and, you know, four letters can't go too far wrong. Um, I think they also just really liked it. Okay. Right. Um, I was okay with Jane. It's the fact that my parents went for Susan as a middle name that I've never... What's heard. wrong with Susan? It's just so... I'm sorry. Well, well my don't. middle name is Ellen, well, E-L-L-E-N. Nice. But growing up up north, everyone thought it was Helen and I just couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> right. Whereas down south, they're much more sophisticated, aren't they? Well, both you and I are northerners. And we're finding it very sophisticated down here. And we can pick up our H's as well as anyone, Jane Garvey. Almost as well as anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's Jane Harvey, actually. <laughs> um, oh, it's a G. Not, anyway, never mind. Um, right. Join a version of this. Um, on next week. No, Fee will be back then. I'm sure she will. Um, have a lovely weekend and may Brian's ghoulies uh, be at rest. <laughs>